1: Bibles, if you will, please, the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter number two. In just a moment, we're going to read some scripture there, but uh, we're continuing our study on reclaiming our culture and what that looks like and how we are to go about doing that. Uh, If you remember, we we this kind of was uh, started As uh, Pastor Paul was preaching the very first Sunday morning of the brand new year, and I was supposed to be in North Carolina, but we came back home early, and in doing so, Brother Paul was preaching, and in that message, he made this statement. He said, may this be the year that the church reclaims the culture. Oh boy, when he said that, uh, it seemed like the Holy Spirit just gave me one of those thumps. You ever had one of those thumps from the Lord, where you know it's God speaking to you, and you're like, oh, okay, but how do I do that? Well, that's what I got through that message, and he just thumped me, and he said, I want you to park there, camp there, unpack that, and of course, that whole next week, I was saying, I don't know how to reclaim the culture. How do we reclaim the culture? Uh, So I really just started praying and asking the Lord to lead me through Scripture and uh, share with me so that I could share with you, because guess what? Sunday's coming every week. It comes every seven days. I have to be ready to tell you how to reclaim the culture, right? I mean, that's kind of what we started out doing So in doing that, I've had to spend a lot of time praying and seeking the Lord and seeking direction. And so all of these messages are very fresh. Um, They're very uh, kind of just coming together each week uh, and putting them out there to you. But today I want to talk to you about our fourth step of how we reclaim the culture. If you remember our first three steps, we've been looking in the life of Daniel. And Daniel really was a modern day or, or back in the biblical days, a culture warrior And we unpacked Daniel chapter 1, we spent about two weeks in that, and then last week we went to the book of Ephesians. But if you remember, there are so far, and we're just trying to put the pieces together, how we go about reclaiming the culture... So far, we're at kind of three steps down, and we're in the step number four, and we'll see how far this goes. But step number one is that we have to know that our identity is in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Uh, it's not in our jobs. It's not in our careers. It's not in our families. It's not in our homes. It's not in our bank accounts. Uh, it's not in what type of clothes we wear or what type of car we drive. Our identity must be founded in the person of Jesus Christ, right? I am a Christian. I am a Christ follower. I am a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one that's the center of my entire world. Everything that I do, that's who I am. And I take that and I move forward to start reclaiming the culture. The second thing that we discover, not only must our identity be found in the person of Jesus Christ, but secondly, we've got to be, I like to use this word, We must be dead level sure that our principles and our values and our doctrine is biblical. In other words, we can't go out there half-caught to reclaim our culture on a boatload of preferences, right? What we would prefer the nation to be or the world to be or our neighbor to be. And we push those preferences off on people. And believe me, I've been in ministry and I've been in church long enough that I've watched people push their personal preferences off on people to the point where it almost becomes biblical doctrine to them, but the problem is their preference isn't biblical. There's really no chapter and verse to back up the preference. Are you with me, church? So I guess all I'm trying to say is that as we move forward to try to reclaim our culture, we've got to know that our identity is in the person of Christ. Then secondly, we've got to be sure... That what we're saying is truth. It's the truth of the Word of God. That we have biblical values, right? That we have chapter and verse for every belief system that we stand upon, right? Uh, It's no longer, and I guess it never really has been, appropriate or okay to believe something because grandma believed it. We've got to be sure that it's biblical. We can't, are you with me, guys? We've got to be sure that what we stand on is the Word of God and not just a personal preference, okay? Uh, there's a whole lot more that could be said about that, but I spent a whole message talking about that. So I hope you'll listen to that on the podcast. The third step is, and by the way, we really, we really haven't even left the camp yet. We haven't even stepped out yet to do anything. We're kind of getting our house in order before we move out to reclaim the culture. So our identity is in Christ. Our values must be biblical. The second thing is before we step out, we've got to put our spiritual armor on. If you remember, we unpacked Ephesians and we talked about the spiritual armor and the battle armor and we've got to go to the spiritual armory, if you will, and we've got to start from the top down and we've got to put on the helmet and the breastplate and the belt and and the feet and the sword and and the shield and all these parts of, of the spiritual battle, the spiritual armor, we've got to put on. Because if we don't put this armor on, and God's last week we spent the whole message talking about this. If we don't put this spiritual armor on, and if we do not do it intentionally every single day, it's got to be part of what we do every day. We've got to think about the armor. We must put it on. If we do not put it on, we are going to get wounded. We're going to get shot spiritually. We're going to wind up disabled spiritually, if you will. And we're going to be of no effect for the person of Jesus Christ. And there's no way we can go out and reclaim the culture without the armor. Right? So we've got to be sure that we put that on every single day as we go out to reclaim the culture. Well, what is step number four? Well, now we're at the place where we've got the heart and soul and our mind rod. We understand that our identity is in Christ. We understand as we're stepping out to reclaim the culture that our values and our doctrine is biblical. We have chapter and verse for what we believe. We have chapter and verse for the way that we stand. We have chapter and verse in the truth of God's Word for the way we get this vote. Can I get a witness? By the way, for those that don't know how, when, when to say amen or when the appropriate time is, I try to give you a hint. When I pull my ear, that's a good spot for an amen, okay? Amen. Uh, good job, all right? So it's going to affect everything that we do in life because our values are biblical. We're going to put our armor on. Now we're ready to take the first step. The first step now is like, okay, God, here I am. Okay, I'm stepping out now by faith. I'm going to trust in you. We're going to reclaim the culture. My identity's in you, Lord. My values are biblical. I have on the armor. Lord, help me. And we take a big, deep breath and we step out. I love what the book of Ephesians says. To step out there and stand. And look for opportunities of where God is working and allow God to use you. That's step number four. Allow God to use you. Now, whenever I say that you must step out there, that means you're going to step out there into some circumstances and opportunities and things that you're made aware of and you see, and you're going to step out as a person of Christ. And you're going to allow God to use you in that moment and you're going to let God work in and through your life in that particular situation, in that particular set of circumstances, in that particular time and moment, in the time that we're living, right? You understand what I'm saying? What I, and by the way, this is not just carrying a Bible under your arm and being a Bible thumper and going out there and thumping everybody over the head with the Bible and saying, get right with God or, or turn or burn, right? That's, that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is we're going to realize our identities in Christ, our our values are biblical. We put on the spiritual battle armor. We step out we say, okay, God, use me today. Use me on the workplace. Use me in these decisions I have to make today. Use me in the people that I'm going to interact with today. Make my eyes aware of opportunities or situations or circumstances where your voice needs to be heard. Where someone that is a believer needs to put something in action, Right? So that's kind of what I'm talking about here. So we need to step out and allow God to use us. We're not really charging. We're not really running across the battlefield with sword in the hand and shield and a big hoorah. We're not really doing that. We're just armored. We're ready. Our mind is settled. Our values are biblical. We have on the armor. And the first thing we're going to collectively do as a church, we're all going to take one step, and we're going to step out into the culture. We're armed, and we're going to face head-on all of these, de- these decisions and circumstances and situations that we all find ourselves in. Now, we have one or two choices. We can do that, or we can say, you know what? I'm going to let the preacher do that, right? And I'm going to step back over here, and I'm just going to put my head in the sand, and I'm just going to hope that things get better. Well, honey, I promise you something. They're not going to get better by you sticking your head in the sand, Right? And by the way, when you turn around and stick your head in the sand, guess what is not protected? Hello? Now, I know on this thing, I think he is protected in the back. But the Bible talks about the breastplate of righteousness. And I know there's some other application to that and some other interpretation of that. But but I just don't think God wants us to turn and run. We need to go out there and make a stand. Are you with me? So that's what we're going to do collectively today as a church. My prayer is today that we have armored ourselves up, that we have ourselves mentally, spiritually, in our heart and our soul. We're ready. Our identity in Christ. Our values are biblical. We have on the armor of God. And collectively, all of us together are going to take one step. Okay? Everybody, let's say it together. Take one step. Take one step. What are we going to do this week? We're going to... Take one step. Let me pray. I'm going to show you a man that I think... Somewhat did this, and we 're going to unpack that in Daniel chapter two what i 'm going to share with you today is extremely simple. matter of fact, as I worked this message and worked this message and reworked this message, I got up at, at a little after six this morning and, and started again I said there 's got to be more in this passage there 's got to be more it 's got to be more. this is so simple and I gleaned and I worked and I pulled out some other things, but it just didn 't fit i 'm thinking that 's kind of the answer. so what i 'm going to share with you today is going to be extremely simple in theory (laughs) and just looking at what we have to do. It may be a little bit more difficult, but I promise you, you and God make a majority in all situations. Greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world. He's promised you that He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's promised you that He'll meet all your needs according to His riches and glory. So we have all these promises of God that He is with us, right? And He's with us when we take this step of faith and we step out and take it. Let me pray. Then I want to unpack the passage for you and try to glean a few little practical nuggets from it, okay? Father, thank You so much for our time together. And, Lord, we do praise You and thank You for all that You're doing in our church and the families within our church. Father, we praise you and thank you so much for the for the birth of new babies. Uh, we thank you, God, for these families and how you've blessed them and that everyone is healthy and, and the babies are healthy and they all have their ten fingers and ten toes and Whoa. kind of the things we look for initially when they're born. And Father, we just praise you and thank you for for all of that. Uh, Father, now we just ask that your blessings continue to rest upon us. And as we think about the birth of new babies, we also think about the passing of loved ones and and, Father, our heart is heavy today. We're thinking about Sharon and her mother and Tom and his godmother. And, Lord, we just ask that you comfort them and uh, the void that's in their heart. We pray that the Holy Spirit would fill that and with, with your presence and give them encouragement, give them strength, give them peace as they go through this time together. Father, now meet with us around your word as we try to glean from Daniel chapter 2. Help us to look at this situation. Help us to look at this particular circumstance that daniel finds himself in and help us to learn from daniel on how we can step out to reclaim our culture as he was stepping out to reclaim his Uh, we ask your blessings with all of us today in jesus name we pray amen okay are you there in daniel chapter number two i want you to follow in scripture if you will please i have it on the screen for you and I realize there's a lot of reading right here, but, but it's, it's important that I read this. So really, I'm going to read Daniel chapter 2, verses 1 through 23, okay? I'm going to read that. I may park a little bit. I may get hung up on a few things here and there, but I'm just going to read the passage and then I'm going to give you like four, maybe three, four, five little simple thoughts that go along with the passage and that's going to be it today. Okay? So uh, not a whole lot going on here, but there's a whole lot going on in scripture that I think we can take out and apply to our life as we make this step of faith. Okay? Are you with me? Okay. Daniel chapter two, verse one, it says in the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams that troubled him. And sleep deserted him. So the king gave orders to some of the diviner priests and the mediums and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. And when they came and stood before the king, he said, I have had a dream and I'm anxious to understand it. So he's calling in these guys and he's saying, okay, guys, I've had this dream. And I'm very anxious to understand what it is that I'm dreaming Continue. The Chaldeans spoke to the king. May the king live forever. Stroking him a little bit before they give what they need to tell him. May the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will give you the interpretation. You see, they already know that they do not have the ability to tell him really what he's wanting to hear. So, they're already fishing from him a little bit. There's a little bit of misrepresentation taking place with these sorcerers and these uh, diviner priests that came in there and the Chaldeans that came in. There's a little bit of deception that takes place. Matter of fact, so much so that it wound up costing many of them their life. But because of the integrity of Daniel and because of the faith of Daniel and because of Daniel being a culture warrior, his life and the Hebrew friends that were with him's life were spared. Okay? So let's go a little further. The Chaldeans spoke to the king. May the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will give the interpretation. The king replied in verse 5 to the Chaldeans. My word is final. If you don't tell me the dream and its interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb and your houses will be made a garbage dump. But if you make the dream and its interpretation known to me, you'll receive gifts and a reward and great honor from me. So make the dream and its interpretation known to me. Are you with me? So what is the king asking? Tell me what? The dream. And tell me the interpretation. Okay? They answered in verse 7 a second time. May the king tell the dream to his servants and we will give the interpretation. So this is the second time now. You see, they know in their hearts there's no way in the world they can tell the king what he was dreaming. But they think if he'll just tell the dream, then we'll make up some type of interpretation. It's called save my neck at the end of the day. That's what's going on right there, okay? Are you with me? And the king replied in verse number 8, I know for certain you're trying to gain some time. You see, he's aware of what they're doing. Because you see that my word is final. Verse 9, if you don't tell me the dream, there is one decree for you. You have conspired to tell me something false or fraudulent until the situation changes. So tell me the dream, and I will know you will give me its interpretation. And the Chaldeans answer the king. No one on earth can make known what the king requests. Everybody say wrong. There is a God in heaven that can make known what the king is requesting. Right? So no one on earth can make known what the king requests. Consequently, no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked anything like this of the diviner priest and the medium and the Chaldean. And what the king is asking is so difficult, get that, that no one can make it known to him except the gods, whose dwelling is not with mortals. And because of this, the king became violently angry, and gave orders to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. Verse thirteen. The decree the decree was issued that the wise men were to be executed. And they searched for Daniel and his friends to execute them. And then Daniel responded with tact and discretion. Boy, I like that. Daniel now is getting word that his head is about to go on the chopping block. Well, how did he respond to this very dangerous situation that he finds himself in? The Bible says that he responded with tact and and discretion to Ariok, the commander of the king's guard, who had gone out to execute the wise men of Babylon. And he asked Ariok, Ariark, the king's officer, why is the decree from the king so harsh? In other words, why are they killing all these guys? What in the world has happened? And then Arioch explained the situation to Daniel. And so Daniel went and he asked the king to give him some time so that he would... So that he could give the king the interpretation. And then Daniel went to his house and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, about the matter. Urging them to ask the God of heaven for mercy concerning this mystery. So Daniel and his friends would not be killed with the rest of Babylon's wise men. And the mystery was then revealed to Daniel in a vision at night. And Daniel praised the God of heaven. And he declared, may the name of God be praised forever and ever for wisdom and power belongs to him he changes The times and the seasons. He removes the kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals the deep and the hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness. Light dwells with him. I offer thanks and praise to you, God of my fathers, because you have given me wisdom and power. And now you have let me know what we ask of you. And you have let us know the king's mystery. What a wonderful passage of Scripture that we can glean. Let me tell you something. Your situation may not be as just like this situation. But here we find a situation where the people of the culture could not meet the need of the day and there was a decree brought out on these individuals that they be killed. Daniel had one of two things he could do. He could step forward by faith And try to see what was going on and and be willing to be used of God. Or he could have stepped back and eventually cost him his own life. Guys, I think somewhat spiritually speaking, we're kind of at that same crossroad today. Spiritually speaking, we're either going to step out and be willing to be used of the Lord. Or we're going to refuse to do anything and just sit here silently and let the world around us and let loved ones around us and let our culture, if you will, die and go to hell spiritually speaking, right? We've got to step forward as Daniel did. He went to the king. So let me give you a few things here about how we can see some steps that we can do in order to allow God to use us as he used Daniel. Number one, I want you to jot this down. You got to get this. You must be honest, first of all, about your limitations. You've got to be honest about your limitations. Now, I want you to get that. The wise men that went before Daniel, they weren't honest about their limitations, right? I mean, Daniel knew that he couldn't get the, the interpretation of the dream or even know what the dream was until he went to God in prayer. So he knew that he was at a point where the only way that things would work out was if God showed up. And by the way, guys, let me remind you that God oftentimes likes to work when our back is against the wall. God oftentimes likes to work when nothing else will work in our life. Here's something else I've discovered about God. God is seldom early, but He's never late. He's always right on time. And oftentimes he allows us to get placed into those circumstances and into those situations. So at the end of the day, he receives all the honor. He receives all the glory. And I'm going to get there in just a moment. But the first thing that must happen, we've got to be honest with our limitations. We've got to recognize our limitations up front. The wise men did not. Daniel did. Do you see the correlation there? Do you see that in scripture? for us to make a difference? For us to go out and reclaim our culture, we've got to be very honest about our own limitations. Listen, I'm not the Savior of the world. Jesus is. Right? I don't have all the answers. He does. Are you with me? So we can't go out there like some, um, I don't know, spiritual saint, if you will, that we have the answers for everything and we're looking for people to stroke us. No, we've got to step out there humbly into that situation and say, you know what, I'm limited in what I can do, but I have a connection. Everybody say a connection. connection. I have a connection with a holy God that can take care of anything, any situation, any circumstance that we find ourselves in. He has the answers to everything. So we got to step out there, first of all, I think, and be very honest about our limitations. Number two is this. Not only honest about our limitations, but the second thing we've got to do is exercise faith. Exercise faith. You see, Daniel was marked to be executed. But what did he do? He stepped out to Arioch which is the one that's doing the execution for all of those wise men, if you will. He said, hey, what's going on? And he told him what was going on. And then he goes to the king. Now listen, his head is supposed to be on a chopping block, right? He is supposed to be executed. But here we see that he exercised his faith and he stepped out. He believed that God would work. He moved beyond his limitations. That's what I want you to see. In order for us to reclaim our culture, we have to realize that we do have limitations. There's only so much that John Cannon can do, right? We've got to be honest with those. But then we need to step out one more step beyond that in faith and realize that, hey, I can't do it. But greater is he that's in me than he that's in the, in the world. God and myself together on the same team, we can get some answers here. We can get some things done. Are you with me, church? You see, Daniel, I believe, had confidence that God would answer his prayer. Let me give you a couple prayer verses. Here's two verses that you need to write down Matthew 7 7. I don't have them for you on the screen here. But Matthew 7 7 is a verse that you need to get a hold of. The Bible says that we are to ask, and it will be given to you, seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. So what are we to do? We're to ask, we're to seek, and we're to knock. Now, in the original language, those verbs are in the continual sense. In other words, you don't just ask one time and then walk away. You keep on asking. You ask, and you ask again. Again. And you ask again, you're in a continual sense of asking God continually. And then you're seeking after God. You're seeking after answers. You're seeking after the way that God would lead. You're seeking after the Lord. And you're knocking and continuing to knock and continuing to knock. I wonder how many times we pray about something, and we may pray about it once or twice, and we kind of give up praying about it. And maybe the answer was in the next prayer we prayed, but we cut off way too early and we just didn't have the stamina, if you will, to continue to ask and continue to seek and continue to knock. God's, I believe if we're going to see God do things in our life. If we're going to reclaim our culture, we've got to live in Matthew 7, 7. We've got to ask and seek and knock continually. Ask and seek and knock because we are limited, but our God is not. Can I get a witness? James chapter 4, verse 2 and 3 is another passage of Scripture. The Bible says you lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. Guys, we've got to step out in faith. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. And when you are asking, sometimes you don't ask enough. We're to do it in the continual sense, Matthew 7, 7. Are you with me? So we've got to exercise our faith. Daniel exercised his faith. Let me give you the third thing here. Daniel realized who was in control. He realized that God was in control of the situation. And guys, whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, and we put on the spiritual armor, our identity is in Christ, our values are biblical, and we're stepping out and allowing God to use us Whatever situation that we find ourselves in, we must be under the realization that God is at work, that God is in control. The Scripture teaches us that our God never sleeps, that He never slumbers, that He's always actively working. And sometimes you may, may not see God working, but I promise you, He is always working, right? So we've got to realize that God is in control. I love verse number 19 of chapter 2. I want you to look at it. Daniel gets the mystery revealed to him in verse 19. The mystery was then revealed to Daniel in a vision at night. And Daniel praised the God of heaven. Now, here's what I want you to see. God answered Daniel's prayer. But what did Daniel do? Daniel did not pull an all-night prayer meeting. Daniel did not panic. Daniel wasn't filled with anxiety. The Bible teaches us in the verses prior to that that Daniel went in to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and he tells his Hebrew brothers, if you will, he says, "Hey, we have a dilemma. I need you to pray. Pray that God gives me the answer that I need." And the and I think we see here that Daniel prayed. He believed that God would work. He knew that God was in control, and he went to bed. Are you kidding me, Daniel? Man, there's a, there's a bounty, if you will, out on your head. You're about to be killed. If you don't get the answer, you're going to die. Daniel went to his buddies. He said, hey, boys, got a situation? Pray about this. They prayed. He believed God was in control and he went to bed. Wow. Do you see that in that passage? That's what I see. I don't see Daniel all frantic and running around crazy and screaming and filled with anxiety. He knew that God was in control. You see, humanly, we are trained. We're trained to believe that solutions just do not present themselves. Humanly speaking, we are trained that if we want solutions to a problem, then we must work and we must work a plan and we must work a strategy and we must strategize how we're going to manipulate this situation and work it in order to get the results and get the solution that we're after. That's what the world teaches us. That's human thinking, right? What did Daniel do? He took the situation to God in prayer. He gathered a few prayer warriors with him, his Hebrew brothers, if you will, spiritually speaking, and he says, hey guys, I need you to pray about this. And they prayed about it, he turned it over to God, he believed that God would hear and answer his prayer, and he went to bed. And while he was in bed, God revealed to him exactly what was taking place. So I love that. We've got to realize that God is in control. But here, humanly speaking, we strategize, we work, we plan to work out the solution. But with God, get this, He presents the solutions. We've just got to wait on Him. We've got to seek Him in prayer. We've got to stand. Ephesians 6, the passage we dealt with last week, we, when we've done everything, just stand and wait on the Lord. Right? Be still. Know that I am God, is what the psalmist said about God. Be still and know that He's God. Matthew 7:7, 7, 7, ask. James' passage talks: if I, if I don't ask, I'm not going to receive. So I'm asking in prayer, right? I've got my spiritual armor on. I'm trusting God. I'm going to stand. My identity is in Him. My values are biblical. I believe He's on the throne. I believe He's in control. I'm going to trust Him to work. Guys, you see how simple that is? I mean, you don't have to do a whole lot. Some of you are like, yeah, right. Seriously, all you're really doing is exercising your faith. All you're really doing is transferring your trust into God. All you're really doing is saying, God, I'm just going to be willing for you to use me and step up and say, God, use me and allow Him to use you and know that He is in control. Fourth thing, and I'm done, is this one give praise where praise is due. I love this. Give praise where praise is due. I want you to look in verses 19 and following. When the mystery was revealed to Daniel, it says in the latter part of verse number 19 that Daniel praised the God of heaven, and he declared. I don't know about you, but I write in my Bible and in my in my scripture notes that I have in here. I, I highlight everywhere the uh, the personal. Uh, pronoun of God is mentioned he and you and all these different references look what it says Daniel this is his praise to God he says may the name of God be praised forever and ever for wisdom and power belongs to what him he changes the times and the seasons he removes kings and establishes kings he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding do you think church that Daniel believes that God is at work yeah, he is praising the Lord for what he has done. He reveals the deep and the hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. I offer thanks and praise to you, God of my fathers, because you have given me wisdom and power. And now you have let me know what we ask for. For you have let us know the king's mystery. Listen, Daniel didn't rise up. Daniel didn't rise up and say, hey. Guess what I thought of? I've got a plan. No. As soon as he got the vision from God, as soon as he got direction from God, as soon as he got the answer from God, he lifted up his heart in praise and started praising the Lord and giving God all the glory and all the credit for for what was about to transpire. Can you say amen, church? He admitted... I believe in this praise in verses 19 down through verse number 23. He admitted that he did nothing, that God did everything, and the Lord is the one that's worthy of all of our praise. So in closing, let me share this with you. In the band, you can come on up because I really am done. Let me ask you something. Who created this whole situation that Daniel found himself in? Let's back up even further in that. Who created the whole situation that Daniel's in because, in fact, he found himself in Babylon? God's still the right answer. God. If you remember, the scripture teaches us in Daniel chapter 1 that it was God who gave the Hebrews over to the king Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. God was orchestrating this entire plan, God was at work. God was moving, God was working, God was orchestrating all of these circumstances, God was at work. And guys, when we step out, and we've done our due diligence, we know that our identities in Christ, our values are biblical, we put on the spiritual armor, and we step out, and we step out in faith, we've got to step out believing and knowing that God is at work. Now, if we're going to reclaim our culture, it's not going to be you that does it. It's going to be God that does it through you. Are you with me? It's going to be God working through you. Now, Daniel had a choice. He could be used of God or he could lose. And guys, we have that same choice. The one final thing though, I want you to see, and I believe I have a slide for this, Charlie. If you will, put the next one up and you have it up there. This is so real. We must determine in our heart that we are not going to live on the limitations of our own reasoning and our own abilities. So many people do nothing for God because they reason themselves out of it and they say, I'm not talented enough, I'm not gifted enough, I don't have the abilities to do that, and they reason all that away. They say, I'm very, very limited in what I can do. You need to believe that's true that you are limited, but you need to know that there's a powerful Spirit of God that lives within you, that wants to move in your situations, that wants to work through your circumstances, that wants to go with you on the job or go with you to school or go with you through the community and help you make a difference in the name of the Lord. He wants to work in your life, but oftentimes we reason in a way because we just live in these limitations. Ah, there's really nothing I can do. And we reason it away because we don't feel that we have the abilities. What did Daniel do? Really, what did he do? He prayed and he went to sleep. It's simple. Really, I told you. It really is simple. He knew who God was, obviously. He had engaged and had a practice of praying and having this intimate spiritual relationship with a holy God. He understood all that. But when this very difficult set of circumstances and situations presented itself, he didn't panic. He went and found out what was going on. He came back. He told his brothers, spiritual brothers if you will, God's. we got to pray. And by the way, after we pray... I'm going to bed. And I'm going to trust God. God moved. Wow. Was Daniel limited? Sure, he was. In his own being. Right? Could he have reasoned away? There's nothing he can do. Oh, yeah. We do that all the time. But I tell you, church, if we're going to reclaim our culture, it's going to take all of us collectively together. Just taking that one step and believing that by myself, I'm very limited. But with God, I make the majority in all situations. And God and myself, we can do some powerful, mighty things. And I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask God to move. Matthew 7, 7, I'm going to ask, seek, and I'm going to knock. And I'm just going to ask God to move. And I may put that prayer request out to some prayer warriors. And I'm going to say, will you help me pray about this thing? And I'm not going to sit up all night worrying about it. I'm not going to fret. I'm not going to be filled with anxiety. I'm going to go to bed. And I'm going to trust God to work. You'll find that if you'll turn all of that over to the Lord, if you'll just learn to trust Him, just learn to ask of Him, that He'll work through you. By the way, I want you to think about the windmill. Think about the turbines. They have a lot of them when you go further north in Illinois. Out in those big old fields, you'll see those big old massive windmills. Without the wind, they are powerless. But with the wind... They create an enormous amount of energy and power. Think about the dam. Years ago my family, we went towards the Hoover Dam. Went down at the bottom of that thing. And I'm thinking, man, all the power that comes out of this dam. There's no power in the dam. The power is in the water that rushes through the dam. Are you with me? There's no power in the windmill. The power is in the wind. No power in you or any power in me. The power is in he that is in me. Hello? It's in him that's working through me. Same thing with Daniel. There's really nothing in Daniel, other than him just being a man of faith, knowing that God is at work, and trusting God to work through him. Now, church, that's kind of where we are. we're going to allow God to work through us. If we step out to reclaim our culture, we're only going to do it one step at a time. We're only going to do it one set of circumstances at a time. We're only going to do it one situation at a time. But if all of us collectively together, may it start with Victory Church, if all of us collectively together will have our identity in Jesus Christ we have a biblical set of values and principles that we live by. Every day we get up and we put on the spiritual armor and then we just take that one step. Say, God, I planted myself in the middle of this situation. Give me wisdom. Give me leadership. Give me guidance. By myself, I'm nothing. I'm useless. There's nothing I can do. But God, I give myself to you. I want you to work through me. I want you to use me. I will be your mouthpiece. I will be your arms to give someone a hug. I will be your knees to kneel down and pray with someone. I will be your feet to go and tell whatever it is, God, I'm here. Use me. And if we start doing that, we are well on our way to reclaiming our culture. Now, I've studied a little bit further, there's a few more things we're going to be able to do, but that's the next step. That's step number four. Number one, our identity in Christ. Number two. Our values, principles are biblical. Number three, we put on the spiritual armor. Number four, we allow God to use us. I wonder if every head is bowed and every eye is closed. This is going to be our invitation, and I'm not going to ask you to come forward, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I just want you to do business. Let's just, let's just be serious with God right now, right where you're sitting. Let's be serious with God. Let's do business within the next minute or so right here together with God. I want you to think about your situations. Think about your circumstances. Think about your sphere of influence. Think about the people you interact with. Think about what's going to happen tomorrow. On Monday at the job or at school or wherever it is that you're going to be. Think about Tuesday. Think about Wednesday. Think about things that are already on the calendar. Things that are going to be coming up. And ask yourself this question. God, I'd like to make a difference for you in those circumstances. Will you choose to use me? Because I choose to give myself to you. Give yourself to the Lord today. Allow Him to use you. And that starts first and foremost with giving your heart and your life to Christ. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, my prayer is today that you would realize that Jesus Christ loves you. God loves you so much that He gave His only Son to die on the cross for your sins. And all of your sins, all of my sins, the sins in the entire world, were placed on Jesus, on Calvary. He bore your sin. He paid your sin debt. He bled and He died there on the cross for you he was buried in that tomb and victoriously he came out of that tomb after three days. And Right now he's ascended to the right hand of God the Father. And there he's making intercession for you on the mercy seat of God. All you have to do is acknowledge that you're a sinner. Trust in Jesus as your personal Savior. Ask him to come into your heart and be your Lord and your Savior. Ask for forgiveness and start walking with him. Lord, if there's one here today that needs to pray that prayer, I pray they would pray a prayer something like this. Just say, dear God, I realize that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And today I give you my heart, I give you my life. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died and were buried and rose again. Today, I pray you come into my heart and come into my life. I repent of my sins, I plead and ask for forgiveness. Wash me in your blood. Cleanse me in your righteousness. Clothe me in the righteousness of Christ. His heads are still bowed and eyes closed. If that's you this morning, I just want to say congratulations. If you prayed that prayer, you are now a son or a daughter of the Lord. You're a child of God. You have been redeemed. That's all it is. childlike faith, trusted in Jesus. And I thank the Lord for a decision that you made today. I want to continue to work in this invitation right now. There's many in here, and I look around and I know there's many believers that are sitting here today. And they've already prayed and they've already asked Christ into their heart and they're living for you, but maybe we're just standing on the sidelines. Help us to take that next step, help us to step out in faith, believing. God, that you're able to use us. And God, we give you our life. We we ask you to use us. We're going to make ourselves available. We may be scared to death in some situations. We may not know exactly what to say. But God, we're going to stand there with our spiritual armor on, our identity in Christ, our values are biblical. We're going to stand there and trust you to use us in these circumstances be your mouthpiece we want to be your hands we want to be your feet god use us we are so limited without you but with you there are no limits on what we can do we're simply going to ask and believe that you're at work and ask for things in prayer and when our back is up against the wall and it seems like there's no answers to the situation or circumstance that we find ourselves in we're going to trust god that you're going to show up that you're going to move in that situation You're going to help us start to reclaim our culture one step at a time. Use us this week. Father, I don't know all the situations that we're all a part of going into this next week. I don't know all the circumstances that we're all faced with. But I do know that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I do know you promised us you'd never leave us or forsake us. So right now, dear God, I pray you... Give that one that's making a decision right now a gentle nudge. Help them, God, to know, Lord, that you're with them and that you just need them to step out there and be used of you just as you used that. Once we discern what the need is and where it is, God, you're going to use us. Father, help us to bring it back to you in prayer. Maybe call a few of our close friends that are brothers and sisters in Christ and ask them to pray with us. And then we're just going to step out there. And allow you to use us. And we're going to be like Daniel. We're going to pray. We're going to believe you're at work. We're going to put this thing to bed. And we're just going to trust you to have your willing way. Father, continue to do that in all of our hearts and all of our situations. Use us as you use Daniel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: You can email or call or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109 O'Fallon, Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.